All right, time for Keith Baldry. Baldry's beat, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, it was interesting yesterday, Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister yeah. of uh, New Zealand. Suddenly, Out of the blue. Yeah, suddenly announcing she's um, stepping down, not running again. Quite an emotional news conference for, from her. And a lot of people follow, have followed her over, over, the, over the years, her years as Prime Minister, this, this young woman who ends up as the yeah. Prime Minister there in New Zealand. Kind of a contemporary of uh, Trudeau in a way. There was a lot of comparisons between well, the two. Well, I mean, a meteoric rise to stardom yeah. uh, in the pandemic, uh, very popular. Her very emotional uh, response to the terrible mosque shooting. Yes. Uh, I mean, she... she Emerge in the world stage in a way that really no other previous New Zealand prime minister had ever done. Uh, and again, it took everyone by surprise yesterday when she announced she was leaving. She says she's basically lost her zeal. And she says, if you're not 100 percent in, yeah. you're basically, you know, you got to get out. Let's have a listen to what she had to say. So here is the New Zealand prime minister yesterday. I leave behind a belief that you can be kind but strong, empathetic but decisive, optimistic but focused, that you can be your own kind of leader, one that knows when it's time to go. And she also pointed out that she knew it was the time to go because, in her words, there was there was no gas left in the gas mm-hmm. tank anymore. Yeah, no, you know, she's, you know, she's had a child, she's um, going through life changes, uh, but again, she very. But and she also her popularity. Her party had started to slump in popularity, trailing the the other uh, opposition party, the National Party, I think, by five points in the polls. Not too bad though. She wasn't that far no, behind. Wasn't that far behind, but certainly so, not. I think she had reached some artificially high heights because of these extraordinary circumstances: yeah. the pandemic, the mass shooting. Um, but then, inevitably, things start catching up to politicians but it's interesting politicians have to know when to leave uh and a lot of people leave at the top of the game john horgan left at the top of his game um for personal reasons and she's doing the same yeah women in politics take a lot of abuse grief attacks i mean we know we know this yeah i mean more than i mean we've talked we've covered many women politicians over the years who who have told these stories about and she's got a lot of that as well oh she got some yeah. real hateful abuse oh yeah over over uh, in her tenure as, as prime minister and yeah. women do get a disproportionately high they do amount of abuse compared to uh, their male there's no doubt about that but po- politics can also burn you out Right. <laughs> well, the pressure to be prime minister is enormous, whether in country of Canada or whether it's in New Zealand yeah. and a political leader. You know, it's a lot of pressure on political leaders. You know, I remember talking to John Horgan about, you know, being being a leader. I mean, he was a reluctant leader. He didn't want to. He basically took the job at the NDP because no one else wanted to do it. Right. And he said, fine, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, and it was a thankless task when you're in opposition to be the leader. But it's quite something else. Now, he's an interesting case study where he actually grew into the job and enjoyed being the leader in in government, which has a lot more pressure than in uh, opposition, or a different kind of pressure than when you're in opposition. Okay, speaking of Justin Trudeau, who was, he's kind of a contemporary of Jacinda Ardern in in many ways. I thought it was a really interesting scrum he had this week when he was asked about effectively the one-year anniversary of the Freedom Convoy Mm -hmm. in, in Ottawa. And he was asked about how he thinks the Freedom Convoy movement has changed or if it's still around. And he had like a, a five-minute response, effectively attacking Pierre Polyev, mm-hmm. the conservative leader. And, you know, it's one of those things where it, I'm looking at the reaction to this online, and some people are saying, this is like a master class by Trudeau. And others, 
if if you hate Trudeau to start with, or well, you're saying like, oh, man, you know, I hate him even more now when the, you when you listen to Trudeau this. haters are going to cut him no slack whatsoever, yeah. particularly those who find themselves attached to the trucker convoy. Yeah, and, well, and this is probably a, a vulnerable spot, and Trudeau tried to take advantage of it. Okay, say. let's listen to a little bit of this, and and uh, you know what I'll do? Let's play P- Paulia first because. This is the comment from Pierre Polyev that kind of triggered Trudeau here. And Polyev was asked recently about the F Trudeau flags that fly at some of these rallies mm-hmm. and, and what he thinks of them. And here was Polyev's response. And then we'll play what Trudeau had to say. Okay, so here's Polyev first. I don't like the flags um, and I don't like rage. But I think we have to ask ourselves, why are people so angry? Like, why are people so angry? And the answer is that they're hurting. Okay, so he says that people are angry out there. Now, have a listen to what Trudeau had to say here this week, and then we'll talk about it. Here's Trudeau. There are always going to be politicians out there who try to, you know, exploit legitimate anger and concerns that people have. But that's not the way to get something built. Crossing your arms and saying Canada is broken. It's not the way to build a better future for Canadians. Now, I thought that was kind of a, a microcosm of maybe the, the type of debate we're going to see yeah, between these two foreshadowing, going foreshadowing the next election campaign. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting, a couple of polls recently have the t- Conservatives a little bit ahead of the Liberals in popular vote. Yes. But Poliev's numbers are trailing Trudeau's. So really? it's it's going to be an interesting, I think it's just going to be another tight race and yeah. no one's going to win a majority. Uh, it's going to be hard for the Conservatives to form a majority because they're not going to have a lot of allies in the House of Commons. Um, but uh, that's a foreshadow, I think, of the type of debate we're going to see uh, in the next election. You're going to have Poliev saying everyone's angry, everyone's hurting, the country's broken. Trudeau's going to respond saying that's irresponsible, and we'll tie him to the trucker convoy, Bitcoin, which he loves to bring out all the time. Every time he goes after Polyev, he reminds people that this is the guy who said you can opt out of inflation by buying cryptocurrency yeah. and Bitcoin. Yeah. And then it crashed. You know, Trudeau's, Trudeau's talking point in this is anyone who took Polyev's advice on Bitcoin would, lost, would have lost half their life savings. Yeah, and so, that's going to try to, you you know, know, undermine, stick to him a bit. undermine Polyev's credibility when it comes to economics. But if you take a look at those polls, though, and I've seen several polls recently showing the conservatives ahead, Yep. And Nanos has pro- got a poll out, I think, four points ahead, five points sure. ahead. Sure, and projecting a conservative win potentially in an election, but maybe a minority government win. Beware of pollsters who try to predict seats. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. That's not their field of expertise. It's they're, they're not bad. They're getting better at public opinion. Yeah. But as we've seen in a number of elections, whether it's the United States or Canada, popular vote doesn't necessarily determine the number of seats you get. We're still we're still a long ways out from a federal yeah. election, but yeah. you know I just wonder if, if Poliev is it a majority or nothing for him? Like, can he govern with a minority? Uh, it's going to be very hard. I'm not sure who his allies would be. I'm not sure the he's going to have the allies in the in the House of Commons needed to get a majority um, of seats. The, it's quite conceivable, as we saw in BC in 2017, the Liberals won the most seats. Yeah. They weren't in the government. Yeah, um, it's quite conceivable the Conservatives could win more seats than the Liberals, but the Liberals could still form government with the support of the NDP. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a very likely scenario. Well, I'll tell you, Polyev versus Trudeau here is going to be one of the fights of our lives here, I think, coming up in the next couple of years. All right, let's talk about the deal now between the government and BC government and the Blueberry River First Nations announced 
yesterday. We talked about this on the show yesterday, too. So here is the Blueberry River First Nations Chief, Judy Desjardins, here. This agreement will provide a new approach to the responsible resource development, protection of treaty rights, and management of cumulative effects in, the, in our territory. These changes are positive for everyone in the Northeast and in British Columbia. I, I thought it was interesting how she... She tried to emphasize that these are positive changes for industry, mm-hmm. for the people in the region. So does this signal that, you know, for people who are worried, does this mean they're going to shut down forestry? They're going to shut no. down LNG production in this area? No. Nope. So but what it will do, it will it will uh, reduce the amount of forestry. Yeah. The, the annual, the, the cut there, the harvest levels will be cut. Uh, the oil and gas uh, exploration will continue, but at, manageable levels of which Blueberry River First Nations will have control over. And the emphasis is not to create new wells, for example, to not have more disturbance of the earth is how it's phrased in the, in uh, the actual document is to use existing uh, production and facilities to continue industrial activity, but not create new things like this. So it's a very interesting, when, when the court decision was first uh, came down in, in June, 2021, where it was they ruled that uh, the the treaty rights of Blueberry River had been violated because of what the court called the cumulative effects of years of industrial development, primarily forestry and oil and gas exploration and drilling, uh, that the rights have been violated, and encouraged the government and First Nations to sit down and, and work out a deal. A lot of people thought, well, I'll just appeal the decision to you know Supreme Court. Uh, and David Eby, the Attorney General at the time, said, no, we're not going to appeal. We're going to sit down. And they worked out this deal. So it will allow the continuation of oil and gas and fracking and, and drilling, but at reduced levels and managed by Blueberry River First Nations it's interesting in how, partnership with the government. It's interesting how Eby approached this because quite often in British Columbia, first most First Nations do not have a treaty. That's right. Th- this is a There's situation treaty, where... Treaty 8, one of the few treaties that were actually in place and negotiated. So this is a First Nation that had a treaty, mm-hmm. but the courts, rules that the, the courts ruled that the, tr- the treaty was abrogated a- yep. effectively by industry, correct? Yep, it, yeah. exactly what the ruling was. Uh, and it, again, it wasn't a one-off thing. It was, it was the cumulative effects of years of activity that had destroyed the land in many places, had disturbed the earth against the wishes of the First Nations who had this treaty in their treaty basically was stipulated that this was not supposed to happen. Okay. Baldry's Beat. Phone lines are open. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Moser in Langley. Hi. Hey, good morning. Got a question here about Trudeau and Pierre. You know, everyone, it's just like mud flicking at each other nonstop. Ever since Trudeau has been in the government, he says one thing and does the other. We have a huge issue with narcotics and people dying on our streets in B.C. and across Canada and low-income housing. And we seem to always send money across to the other side of the world, the Trudeau. You know what I mean? And the question I have, and Keith, I don't know if he can answer this question, is the NDP is doing their best they can here in B.C. to do what they can. But why aren't we starting to look after our own people here? Like, try to find a, a... a grasp of how to start treating these people that are on Hastings and how to get them in proper housing. We sent billions and billions and billions of dollars over to Ukraine, and we don't get a, a voice or an opinion where our money goes. That's all. Okay. That's all what I want to know what we're thinking about Trudeau. Thank you so much. Thank you for the call. Your thoughts? Not sure you separate Ukraine from the downtown east side. But. Well, I guess he's saying instead of spending money on foreign aid or 
Yeah, there's always going to be, always gonna be an argument against foreign aid because it's money that's spent elsewhere rather than treating um, your domestic problems. That's a, a very old argument. Not sure that's going to resonate with any government. I mean, the conservatives spent a lot of money on foreign aid as well. But the caller is a good point. I mean, it continues to vex us why the opioid crisis continues. The downtown east side problems continue. David Evie has pledged to get rid of that homeless yes. encampment on Hastings Street. We're still waiting to still see there. exactly what still that there. means. Yep. Uh, and no one, no, uh, no government seems to have a handle on the best way to deal with an opioid crisis. You know, the BC government wants a safe supply, uh, wants uh, legalization. Other governments have. Alberta has a completely different approach. You had yeah. Marshall Smith on, uh, chief of uh, staff for the Alberta Premier, and a former addict himself. Who yeah. uh, they've got a different approach. So governments right. all have different approaches, and none of it seems to be working. Yeah, and the interesting thing for I thought it was intriguing that EB put that marker down and said, "Look, I'm going to take ownership of this uh, this tent city on Hastings Street." He's and put we've a lot of markers. Down. Yeah, he has, and. You know, they've talked about some modular housing that's months down the road before it'll be ready. The tent city's still there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it'll be gone six months from I'm, now or a year from sure now. I'm not sure how, it, we'll how see. it actually is dismantled. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Morning, guys. Hey, Mike, I don't know if you remember, but about probably two months ago now, two and a half, you asked me, uh, would, you, would I vote Pierre or would I vote Justin Trudeau? I'll tell no. you right now. I'll give you my answer. I'll vote. I'd vote Trudeau. And... Really? Goes against my goes against my grain now. Yeah, because Poliev, all that the guy talks about is his regurgitated stump speech. You know, he talks about people living in their parents' basement. I get all that, but the man has yet to say anything about policy. What would you do to make our country better? At least Trudeau tries to do things. So, yeah, I would vote. I would definitely vote Trudeau. And Trudeau has every right to talk about the cryptocurrency because I'll guarantee you the next election there'll probably be commercials about it. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! There's going to be a lot of commercials. Yeah, no, you'll never hear you'll never hear Poliev mention Bitcoin again. I don't think. No, but essentially, I don't think you're going to see Poliev or Trudeau have high popularity numbers. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be talking about an election with a couple guys who aren't seen to be particularly yeah. popular with anyone. Yeah, and I don't think either of them are ever going to be over fifty yeah. percent. It's going to be low. Uh, it's going to be the you know. Uh, uh, the lesser of the two. It will be close, it will, like it always is. It, all, it will be a close election. Yeah. Jordan in Vancouver. Jordan, you got 30 seconds here. Go ahead. Hey, I just touched base on uh, Pierre and Trudeau uh, controversy. You know, yep. my thoughts are basically we need Trudeau just to start answering some questions. Preventing every single question that comes his way and just going around about the uh, answer. Need some answers. Whether he's a Pierre's the guy, it really doesn't matter, but answers need to be, questions need to be answered. That's the bottom line. Okay, th- thank you. Well, people get focused when elections come around. They're, they don't tend to focus on politicians between elections so much as uh, as we see in a campaign. But it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a campaign. And we didn't, like in BC in 2020, we didn't really have an election campaign. We're in the middle of a pandemic. It didn't really happen for many people. Yeah. That's going to change come the next federal election. It's going to be a lot more interest in it.